This is Aiden Knight, and you are listening to Wrestle Life Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Wrestle Life Radio, episode 157. I'm Kyle Polly. I'm here with Micah. How's it going, Micah? Doing good. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. We uh, we just got done talking about our uh, weight issues. Everybody's interested in that. Yeah. <laughs> we we started to just to start recording, but you know. Yes, uh, we were discussing our, um, well, it's a little, a little harder for me because I'm getting up there in age. Mike is still a young whippersnapper. That's right. So, uh, Drop 20 pounds like that. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so word of advice this week, uh, you know, you're getting, you know, you need to uh, lose weight when you need, you know, your pant size goes up. Yeah. Uh, yeah. so take note, Chris Jericho, <laughs> <laughs> uh, his pants are always screaming. You can tell. Uh, I don't know. Like, he's a weird dude, though, because he's got abs, but like he's still a muffin top. Yeah, like I don't know, man. I think it's just a combination of his age. Um, and, and he was wearing his, that. Uh, he's wearing that Florida drinking. shirt this week and uh, yeah. had it wide open. Yeah, he's got abs, man. It's it's a weird, weird situation. He's got better abs than I could ever dream of having. It's just uh, everything else is just a little bit more round around the edges, I guess. Yeah. It, it, it happens at fifty, though. I, I suppose. You know, he's yeah, not going to not gonna stay a bodybuilder forever unless he gets on the gas, of course. Speaking true. speaking of people who've lost a lot of weight, AEW had a big announcement this week. Yeah, they had a uh, new signing so, uh, making their AEW debut this week. John Cena. That's right. Couldn't did even you, see did him. You, did you see the commercial? Couldn't even see him. There, no. there was a, I, I, I make the joke because there was a commercial. What is it? Wipeout on TBS? They yeah. advertised that during the break, and John Cena was on it. I was like, oh, this is weird. Yeah, yeah. I had heard about that a couple times. I watch it on Fight TV, so I don't see the commercials. Yeah. I just get the little AEW logo. Um, yeah, You would think John Cena's making his debut by uh, Justin Roberts announcing that first that first uh, John Moxley entrance. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we, uh, I'll, I'll get into it, but we'll get into the first match in a second. But I started the episode, and my girlfriend was sitting on the couch, and like – he did that long John, Gian, Gian, and uh, he went like extra hand this week on a lot of those entrances. And uh, my girlfriend just like watched it. It was done, and she was like, "Okay, that was a little much." <laughs> a little and extra. She, she promptly left the room. So, uh, <laughs> but no, uh, we we were kidding. Uh, obviously, John Cena did not debut this week. Paul not White, yet, not yet. The Big Show. That's right. Is all elite. Captain Insano. It's true. Captain Sano. Uh, yeah, it was very like, was this not I, the most out of left field, crazy thing? I mean, I, that's I not a name I ever thought to see in AEW. I, I saw it on Instagram and I saw Paul White and I was just like, it's, it's a meme. Like I thought like it has, to yeah. be. Like, I literally thought it was a joke. And then I opened our group chat on Facebook. saw that you guys had blown up the chat. I saw it on Wrestling Observer. And I was just like, wow, really? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's not not bad. It's but... just out of nowhere, right? Like, that's a guy you thought would never leave WWE, or I didn't at least. I mean, he's been there for, I know he's originally a WCW guy. He's been with WWE for 20, 30 years, something like that. 20 years, I think. That's, yeah. that's a long time. He's actually younger than Chris Jericho, believe it or not. Oh, uh, I didn't know that. Yeah, the... Uh, the gigantism, I guess, would make him uh, his body fail a little bit earlier. But 
Yeah, and he's in, in, in very good shape. Actually, my wife, who has seen the big show plenty of times, uh, when the when it was announced, it said Paul White. She didn't recognize him. She's like, okay, what's the big deal about this Paul White guy? Because he's lost so much weight, he looks a lot like a different person. I mean, he's dang near got abs nowadays. Um, but he's yeah. the medium show. Yeah, he's the medium show. Still the tall show. Uh, unfortunately, now that he is uh, going to be in AEW, we're going to see how short everybody in AEW is. I'm um, going to be standing next to six foot tall Chris Jericho. We're going to be like, oh, okay. Uh, but yeah, for real, I, I'm I'm pretty excited about this. Actually, not like for him as an in ring performer, of course, because I mean, unfortunately, Big Show's prime is behind him. I do think he would be the great occasional spectacle, some mm-hmm. battle royales, um, kind of like Billy Gunn's, you know, uh, area where he's kind of been filling in, you know. In the lumberjack matches, you say his name, and I'm just like, he's already a giant. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. He's he's a big dude. Yeah, but uh, kind of just they come in for battle royals, uh, maybe uh, give a little bit of shine to some up and comers for sure. I would love to see Big Show versus Marco Stunt. I think that would be a great match. Marco Stunt's favorite wrestler is the Big Show. Oddly enough, hmm. uh, I think some funny funny matches like that would be great. Uh, yeah, but he's going to be commentating on AEW Dark Elevation, which is AEW's new YouTube show that is going to be focusing on indie wrestlers, which I think is great because I don't know if you've watched Dark lately, but it's two hours of jobber matches, and I can't watch it anymore. Um, it's a great thing they're giving all these indie guys uh, a, a spot while you know indie wrestling really isn't a thing right now, and I appreciate Tony Khan for doing that, but I don't particularly enjoy the format. But I think getting Big Show and Tony Schiavone in maybe a one-hour format. Uh, they said it's going to be on Mondays at, at 7, I believe, yeah. 7 Eastern. Uh, so you can watch that or you can watch Raw. Uh, I would choose Elevation, honestly. Well, that's that's a little bit before Raw, isn't it? Or just Raw? Mm. I can't remember. They, just, they go to three hours now. So. I don't know. I don't watch Raw. Yeah. Um, what <laughs> it used to be 9 o'clock, 8 o'clock Central, 9 o'clock Eastern, I believe. Yeah, I do think Raw actually had a pretty decent show this week, from what I heard. Uh, but anyways, yeah, uh, Monday nights, Tony Schiavone, Paul White going to be on the commentating team. They have said he is going to be licensed to wrestle. He will be on in the ring at some yeah, point. Yeah, I didn't know you had to have a license. They said yeah, that, and I was I, like, no. It's okay. the first time I've heard that term. Uh, I'm sure they just threw that out there so people will be like, hey, he will be in the ring. I think there's a very good chance we see him involved in the Shaq-Cody match somehow. Uh, because as you know, Vince tried to get a Shaq Cody match years ago, or a Shaq Cody, a Shaq Big Show match years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, that would be a spectacle, and probably not a great one. But hey, uh, I guess it would get eyes on the screens. But yeah, I think that's a that's a pretty big deal. I mean, not somebody I ever thought we'd get in AEW. He'll be a huge mind backstage. He's always seemed like such a cool guy. Literally, that I think he will. Yeah, I think he'll be a great addition to the roster. Uh, a great coach. And honestly, like as far as big names that AEW could get, he's probably the biggest because they're not getting John Cena, they're not getting The Rock, they're not getting Brock Lesnar. Uh, as far as like a household name, he's had some experience in movies, and he's just a spectacle in himself. I mean, he was booked as Andre the Giant's son for years, so mm-hmm. I think it's a pretty big deal. Also, uh, Captain Insano, which I love, the Water Boy. So <laughs> I. Uh... I almost would hope because he actually came to. If you, I don't know if you remember because you're. I don't even know if you were born yet, but you're. But definitely born. But you're a baby. I think it was '99 when he went into uh, yeah. WWE. Um, he well, he was the giant WCW, and then he went debuted as Paul White 
in uh, WWE, which obviously is his real name, so they couldn't mm-hmm. trademark that, and that's when he became the big show. Um, but Cody talked about him in a post on Instagram this week and called him Big G a lot. Uh, I was like, hey, that's a better ring name than Paul White, in my opinion. Big G, what so, does the G stand for? I don't big know. Giant. Big Giant. Sure. Yeah, okay. So I, well, yeah, I don't know if he goes with that. G. <laughs> <laughs> yep. It's a shame, though. The like the the number one thing about the Big Show is the entrance, right? I love that song, and like the it's so iconic. It's a shame we won't get that. I'm sure they'll have some sort of ripoff, though. They they could. I mean, they don't have copyright over you know the word "well" <laughs> drawn out and along. I mean, if Justin Roberts can go on each week and do the Gian, then that's great. So what should happen is Justin Roberts every time he announces him should be like "well." <laughs> Uh, I yeah, love it. Probably. Love it. But uh, yeah, it's it's big news. I mean, literally, it was big news. But um, yeah, yeah, also like, hoping AEW Dark will go back to its previous format of one hour of really good, solid mid-card wrestling. Sure. It's fine with me. I mean, are they? is that going to replace Dark how it is now? Or are they, do, are they still doing it's an, it's an addition. So I'm assuming they're kind of transitioning out of the COVID era Dark to where it's two hours of indie matches and going back to the 45 minutes to one hour uh, two or three solid matches. I mean, back in the day, they had like a lights out match with Joey Janela and Kenny Omega. They had some really, really solid matches on Dark, and it was like must watch AEW TV in my opinion. And now it's just not. No, they so, had John Moxley on this last run, I think. But yeah, but it's uh, like John Moxley versus Jobber number three that I know he's going to win. I don't like watching wrestling that I know the outcome for sure. Yeah, well, uh, I was surprised by a match tonight. We'll talk about that. Yeah, so speaking of uh, Moxley versus Jobber, uh, let's get into yeah, Dynamite. <laughs> and uh, we open with John Moxley versus uh, Ryan Nemeth. Um, Ralph Ralph Wiggler. They even gave <laughs> him a little uh, entrance. You know how they do like the picture in picture during the entrances? Yeah, and they it was, gave it him was a little fine. a little card, and he's like, "Oh, I'm going to take the starring role, and I'm going to win." I was like, "No, you're not. <laughs> Sit down. Sit down, Ralph." It was it was a fine little inset. Uh, he's he's now the Hollywood hunk. Um, yeah. and, uh, so he's got a gimmick now. He's, I got a lot of, uh, spray tan as my girlfriend pointed out. She was talking about how orange he was and then how red he got during the match. Um, yes. but yeah, basically just a glorified squash match, uh, had a little bit back and forth. I will say wasn't a big fan of Moxley's, uh, sweatpants that he had on. Yeah. Um, he's given him a time or two. I'm not a huge fan of him, but yeah, it was, it was fine. I mean, the main thing was, um, obviously John Moxley won, uh, it went, Basically almost knocked Nimith out with a guillotine, a standing guillotine, and then turned it into the paradigm shift and picked up the win. So nothing surprising there. But then he had a good promo afterwards. Um, it wasn't blow away, but it was good. Yeah. Uh, it, basically just saying that, you know, um, he's an addict of wrestling. He loves doing it. And uh, basically saying, you know, he's going to give it his all, even if it means killing him in this match against Kenny. And basically said that's the only reason he's going to lose. As if, you know, he gives it all and basically is dead at the end of it. Yeah. He uh, he basically cut the Eddie Guerrero addict um, uh, promo, uh, which is kind of kind of crazy to see. And, and like, they have the fake crowd there because it's a pre-taped show. And he's like, you know what? I am an addict. And the whole crowd is like, woo, yeah. I'm like, <laughs> okay, well, that's not, you don't really cheer for that, but okay. Uh, yeah, it was a really good promo, though. And I think it really heated up the... Uh, coming main event revolution which hopefully i will have tickets to 
tomorrow. I will say though, they showed a video package afterwards of basically, I wish they would have shown this honestly, or a longer version of it. Yeah. Uh, and let him cut a promo. Uh, it was basically just the whole Moxley Omega feud. And it was wild because it's been a wild feud. So uh, good showcase of it. Literally since the inception of AEW. I mean, it's been Moxley and Omega. And I think they are the, like, they're the two big stars in AEW, in my opinion, that uh, aren't stars of the previous generation, of course. But, like, they are the premier feud of AEW. Yeah. And rightfully so. So, uh, yeah, just hyping us up for Revolution. And uh, they announced a bunch of matches. I mean, some of them were already obviously, you know, on the card, but they kind of ran down the whole show as it stands right now and even adding some stuff in. Um, But after, uh, after this video package, we had uh, Archer and Phoenix in the back. They talked about, they showed last week how they were, um, you know, or talked about how they were a team. Uh, I think actually this interview that they had was said to be from last week. Um, Who's the, who's the announcer dude again? I forgot his name. Alex Abrahantes. Yes. I always wanted to say Alex Marvez, but that's the other guy. That's the other one. That's the one that comes out of the pocket uh, wormhole universes every week. Yes, who interviewed Kenny this week. He just appears out of nowhere. He, yeah, he always knows where the right spot to be is. <laughs> um, so he, he's back. Alex is back there interviewing uh, Archer and Phoenix and talked about how great their chemistry was. And um, Archer was like, yeah, we had great chemistry, but, you know, I'm still going to kill this guy tonight. Phoenix said something back to him in Spanish. Uh, said Basically said he was the worst teammate he ever had. They, they got into a brawl. They killed the cameraman because he got knocked over and like the camera feeds cut off. So I'm just assuming he's dead. He got, he got in stuck in the murder tornado or the uh, death triangle, whatever you want to call it. Maybe and he got kidnapped like everybody else in AEW. <laughs> no, no, he's deceased. <laughs> he's no longer with us. Uh, so yeah, just hyping up the main event for a night. They, they had a good, you know, a couple good chances to hype up this main event. Um, and then we got a little scene of uh, the young bucks with their uh with daddy buck in the back and uh their mom it was actually ripped straight out of bte they had a yeah a they literally life... had this segment <laughs> so they it was basically ripped from bte they had uh matt and nick showing their parents their their big pictures on the back of the the um the the truck like the equipment truck and stuff you know similar to how wwe has of their wrestlers kind of advertising everybody uh and i will say it was better on BTE because it was actually the first time you could tell that they like legitimately saw these because they were acting on BTE. They were acting here and right. They're obviously not actors. So like his dad was like on BTE, not on the show. His dad was brought to tears telling how proud he was of him. And the, the mom is like taking a picture and she's like about to start crying. And you can you tell Matt and Nick are kind of, you know, like biting their lip because you know, you know, their daddy's proud of him. They posed for a picture in front of it. They did a decent job of recreating it here, but if you watch both of them, you could tell it's just not the same. It's still, it was still fine, but I almost, I was just like, why didn't they show the BTE one? But I, I think it's because they wanted, since they had this plan, you know, set up of where they did it at the end of the show, they kind of wanted to do the same, have the same setup and everything like that. So I, I get why they did it, but, a little bit better on BTE. Yeah, I agree. They, I feel like Tony may have seen it on BTE and be like, hey, this is a great idea. Yeah. Yeah, but. yeah so it, it made sense, but uh, yeah, it's 
uh, was still, it was still fun. Nothing. It just when you see the real one, it's like, ugh. so, <laughs> uh, but you know, not, not a bad segment. Um, we then had team Taz versus the varsity blondes and uh, Taz joining on commentary. This was a good match. Um, yeah, I thought it was really solid. I've liked every showing I've seen of the Varsity Blondes, to be honest. Yeah, I'm a big fan. Yeah, I, I really like Brian Pillman Jr. I think Griff Garrison is definitely on his way to becoming a great uh, a great wrestler. Like, he's got a great hot tag, as we saw oh, yeah. in the match. Um, yeah, I, I really like both of these guys, and I think they're a really good addition to the roster as a lower card, like, really solid tag team. And, and maybe one day they'll get their chance to, to shine. And I, I like this because this was like – it was almost almost like a showcase match for the Varsity Blondes because they really took it to uh, Brian Cage and mostly Ricky Starks, let's be honest. But yeah. still, like, they kind of uh, – Pillman Jr. got a lot on um, him and Starks were working well together. Got a lot on him. Like you said, uh, once Brian Cage got in and kind of was taking it to Brian Pillman Jr., um, he was able to get the hot tag to Griff Garrison. And, man, Griff Garrison, like you said – Great hot tag. He was just running wild with clotheslines. Did the big splash on um, was it Starks in the corner, and then jumped over the top rope with the splash on the yeah. Brian Cage. Yeah, and like I mean, even the announcers were like blown away. And uh, he, I mean, just looked great. And uh, I mean, they controlled a decent part of this match. This was not you know a squash favorite, match. You know, my favorite spot of the match was. So Brian Pillman trips up uh, Ricky Starks with the move that never actually does where they drop down, you know? Yeah, yeah. And he tripped him up, right? And then... Slid under the ring and went to the outside. Yeah, Ricky Ricky Starks slides under the bottom rope and he kind of like sells. He sells like, oh crap, that kind of hurt, right? And he sells his way into position for a dive from Brian Pillman. But it was like a, a foot first, like drop kick dive through the middle rope. It wasn't like a suicide dive. It was, I, you wouldn't call it that. It was something, something else, like a missile drop kick or something. I don't know. Um, but yeah, it's basically a missile drop kick through the ropes. Like he, yeah. he came in at like almost diagonally and just like went straight through the ropes and drop kicked him in the face. It was just such a well executed spot. But yeah. it was a spot. You talk about all these people like, oh, well, you just don't like uh, this new style of wrestling because you don't like spots. I love spots. I like it when they're like this, when they're fluid, when they sell their way into the spot, when, you know, it seems like they've, I mean, I don't want to say like everything has to be pre-planned, but they definitely planned the spot and it was so well executed. And it's just little stuff like that, that I really, really like about Brian Pillman. It seems like he's really got that kind of stuff and Ricky Starks as well, for sure. Uh, he's definitely got the, the, I don't know. It's like a, it's like a special eye for stuff like that. It seems like. Yeah. I mean, it, it was great. And Basically, I mean, like you said, that was one of my favorite spots in the match. Griff Garrison going over the top rope. Uh, and, and the finish was good, too, because, like like I said, the babyfaces were in control and looked like they were about to win. Like, mm-hmm. to me, the yeah. story was perfect because these are the babyfaces. They're supposed to be better than the heels, like air quotes. Obviously, these guys are younger, so you would expect them to not win, but they showed a lot of heart, and they got a near fall, like a tease finish, basically. Was it on Starks? I can't remember who it was on. They did the... Uh, the the dropkick powerbomb, um, I think it was on Starks, and they basically went to pin him and got a like a two point nine five kick out, like just very close tease, thinking that mm-hmm. they actually might pull off the upset. Uh, but then Starks was able to get the spear to take out Griff Garrison. Brian Cage grabbed Pillman, hit him with a drill claw, killed him, and that was it. Heels yeah. won, but it was a great match. I really liked it. Uh, I mean, not like 
five-star match. But for, for these guys being as young as they are, and especially like, I mean, Starks, you know, fairly young guy too. Cage, you know, is great. They just did really well. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I did as well. And speaking of which, um, I enjoyed the aftermath too because we've been talking about how this feud's kind of fallen flat. It hasn't been really good. It's been too repetitive. Uh, yeah, and this was uh, not repetitive. <laughs> this was fantastic. Um, I loved all of this. It was kind of goofy. like, But I, nah, it once great. I got over it, I was like, I mean, it is pro wrestling. So like, once I kind of just just you know put it aside i was like yeah okay i can get into this so basically <laughs> what happened was uh cage and um starks they win they're celebrating the ring lights go out and we get on the video screen a uh like a desert <laughs> this car like black and white darby vignettes yes um of the body bag being drugged behind this vehicle uh, on this dirt road or something there's a we see Sting's gloved hands driving it. I forget what song was playing when they were. Uh, it, was, it was a well-known song. I forget which one it is though. But uh, so he's obviously his Darby in the bag. The car stops. Like he unzips himself and he sits up with his his title. Uh, you know, Sting is driving the vehicle, and Darby just like gives a little smile. And that's like the first time I've ever seen Darby smile, and it was so creepy, and it was great. Yeah, and uh, and they also I like the camera angle they show that showed like Starks and Brian Cage like watching him come out of the body bag like they got an over the shoulder perspective of them watching it. So yeah. it's also worth mentioning he's got Sting's face paint. It's slightly altered. It's like a mix between Darby and Sting face paint. He's got the he's got like a stitched smile writ, uh, drawn on there, mm-hmm. but he's got like the Sting eye. I don't know what you call it, like the crow basically. Yeah. Things Sting's always went for, uh, painting on his eyes. It's such a cool looking uh, design that he's got going on that perfectly meshes with Sting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you'll see a little bit later he had it even a little bit changed, even a little bit more. Uh, well, not only Darby. So Sting comes out. Yeah, uh, his entrance comes. Snow starts falling. Taz is you know freaking out. Sting comes out, dragging a body bag. He opens it to reveal it's Taz's son. Taz on commentary freaked out, but. You'd think the dude would be flipping over the table to get to Sting if if, if my son had been in that body bag, but <laughs> he took his time to get over there, but I, I digress. Uh, Sting also had some altered face paint. It was the crow face paint, but had like some spikes in the middle, almost like a clown thing. Yeah, it was really which, cool looking. I, I liked, liked it. it. Yeah, it was slightly altered. It looked actually like a mixture between the really early crow face paint. Like, um, Yeah, that's true. Because when it was literally, he had it just over the eyes. It was well, like that's a how the crow that. kind of was. He had the yeah. like a stripe down the middle, and Sting started with that, but then he kind of started altering it, putting the the lines in, and it just kind well, of it looks like I've always thought it looked like like lightning bolts or something going on. Yeah, uh, yeah. It was it was super cool face paint, and just a great showing from Sting in this segment. So he he reveals Hook to be in the body bag. Uh, Taz is pissed off. Then we see Sting points up into the rafters. Darby. Pulls a Shawn Michaels. He's coming down on a zip line. Uh, just like, you see that they planted audience members up there. Yeah. I saw them all like, cheering. it was, it was like a, I know you've never been to an, an Auburn football game, but when they released the Eagle, they have all the fans up on the, uh, spiral like, uh, thing surrounding it. That's kind of what it reminded me of. They, they released the Eagle and all the fans are surrounding them. Yeah. It's funny. uh, It's like, I've been to the stadium so many times now, but like they don't even have fans up there like during COVID. Oh Yeah. They did during the last pay-per-view. That was the first time they'd opened it up. 
but they don't open that up for dynamite. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. There's like, there aren't people up there. And it's like the only people in the crowd are the ones the spotlight hits. Yep. Yeah, Funny little spot. Yeah. So. Coming down with the sting style face paint down the zip line. Uh, like this is only something you could do on a pre-taped show, right? And make it not look super wonky. Uh, they tried to hide it a little bit, but uh, he comes down with his skateboard mm-hmm. down the zip line. Well, she would have just thrown it at one of them as he's coming in. Yeah, I, I'm sure that wouldn't have been exactly safe, but that would have been great if you just thrown it straight at like Brian Cage's chest or something. Because when has Darby Allen ever been safe? That's true. That's true. <laughs> he usually doesn't care about himself though. Maybe others he's, he's trying to protect. True, I would assume. But yeah, it looked really cool because, like, you know, the big issue with zip line. Uh, things in wrestling is you have to unhook and it usually takes a little bit that's the whole reason owen hart passed away unfortunately because they were trying to do a quick release mechanism uh so if you want to be safe it's going to take you a little while to get unhooked and obviously they're going to do it as safe as possible nobody ever wants anything to happen like that again Mm -hmm. um so when he comes down like, since it's a pre-taped show, they kind of cut over to Sting and Brian Cage, and I'm sure he's over there, like, trying to get everything off. Ricky Starks maybe even, it, it may be even helping him, I don't know. Uh, but yeah, then then he comes unhooked. He's still got the, basically, like, straps around his legs that you have when you're ziplining, mm-hmm. and he just pounces on Ricky Starks, and he came out with, like, a lot of fire. A lot of issues I've had with Darby Allen is a lot of his stuff doesn't look impactful because of his size, but he looked like he was beating the crap out of Ricky Starks there outside of the ring. Yeah. I mean, it was it was some really really hard hits. Yeah, like like you said, it, it was a little because uh, he he had to he had to land first. He like took a swing or like with his foot at uh, Brian. <laughs> it was Cage such was a in. like child childish looking thing. Like he's kicking him, but he's like can't like his feet can't reach the ground. It's I crazy. almost wish they would have just set Ricky Starks and Brian Cage like up in the corner to Darby when he's coming in. Like rehearse it one time, make sure it's doable, but. Like just let him come in, put his feet out, and let him sell for the drop kick, and that'll give him time to get down and get unlocked. I mean, it might have looked a little wonky, or maybe it wasn't safe. I don't know, but I was like, yeah, that could have been done a little bit better. But once he got unhooked, like you said, he was going crazy with a skateboard. Sting got in there, took it to Brian Cage, got his revenge basically from last week. Um, Taz was, you know, tending to his son, not tending to his uh, his boys, and. Uh, yeah, it was it was a good little segment. Yeah. I, I like to well, like. It's worth mentioning. Sting not only hit the Stinger Splash as well as he did in his WWE run, what seven years ago. Yeah, he also hit the Scorpion Death Drop, and honestly, everything I saw out of Sting in the ring, yeah, he's a little slower than he used to be, but he looks dang good for sixty what sixty one years old. Yeah, he can still I mean, go. He he looks. I mean. Let's see. I'm trying to think of who I can compare him to. He's like leagues better uh, conditioning than than Goldberg or The Undertaker here lately. Um, maybe more like Dustin Rhodes, like that kind of conditioning. Like, yeah, he can. Seems like he can real still really go. Maybe not the cardio of a young man anymore, but mm-hmm. for uh, for the longest time, this whole run, I thought you know we wouldn't be able to get to see a good match with Sting in the ring. But he looked just as good as he did at WrestleMania against Triple H. I mean, I know it was just a short segment, but it looked really good. And the fact that he can still hit a stinger splash after all the issues he's had through the years is crazy. Yeah, it was definitely a good showing, especially after getting memed last week, uh, staring up at the yeah, ceiling. they had to make it, like we were talking about it, they had to do something. Yeah. After making him look <laughs> so weak last week. Yeah, so it was a good uh, comeback for these guys. And setting up their 
um, Street Fight and Revolution. I think it's uh, going to be a very interesting match. Yeah. If this was WWE, the heels would definitely be going over because the babyfaces just got their win here. So we will see. Yeah. So uh, after this, Tony Schiavone, I actually love this segment. I don't know how you feel really? about it. Tony <laughs> Schiavone interviewed Kip Sabian, uh, Penelope Ford, and Miro about the wedding. I just fell in love with it instantly because Tony's sitting there. They're all just like staring him down. And he's like, well, this, this interview's, you know, this interview's pretty awkward already. And Miro instantly is like, why is it awkward, Tony? <laughs> like I just die laughing because it's one of those things that like you're thinking in your head and then Miro just like stares him down like why is it awkward and, I don't know it's just so perfect uh, I, I'm liking Miro lately like I don't know like he's kind of toned down the gamer I'm a twitch streamer person like he's yeah. just kind of being more how he was when he was Rusev of just he's a big mean guy who's just kind of abrasive and a jerk to a lot of people and I like it. So he's he's really hit or miss for me, and yeah. I feel like both during the segment he both hit and miss for me. Like I really like that that opener, but like a lot of times it's like I don't know. Like I feel like you know AEW doesn't give their people scripts or anything, but he was just rambling on, and I know I'm not one to talk about rambling for sure, but he's kind of rambling on, repeating himself. It it didn't totally hit with me. Uh, I loved the the stuff with Tony though. Uh, and I loved the the note being passed. Tony was great. Yeah. So um, basically, Mira was talking about. Oh, Penelope and Kip were talking about how they couldn't even enjoy their uh, honeymoon after the their wedding was ruined. They were just so distraught. Mm-hmm. And Miro was just talking about how he wants to kill Orange Cassidy, but he actually doesn't want to kill Charles. They kept calling him Charles the Butler. I was like, is this his new gimmick? <laughs> like, uh, so Let's come out next week as Charles Butler. Yeah, but even Tony called him that. It wasn't just Miro. He called him Charles the Butler. And uh, Miro says, I, I don't even hate uh, Charles. I actually enjoy him. He was shining my shoes, doing my laundry. I like him. And so he actually asks Charles if he wants to come back. He's He can w- welcome him back. He says, I do not forget, but I will forgive. <laughs> and uh, basically you know, invites him back. And then a guy comes from off screen, hands Tony a note. And Tony says, hey, guys, I hate to interrupt, but I just got handed this note. It says, uh, basically, would you wrestle us at Revolution? Check the box, yes, no, or maybe from uh, Chuck and Orange Cassidy. And Miro grabs it. It's obviously like a school-style note. And uh, Miro repeats it and kind of laughs at it and says, see, this is just childish. Chuck, you're not childish. You can come be with us and be a man. Stop doing childish things. And uh, basically accepts the challenge and uh, he challenges, you know, like I said, Charles to come and be a man. He crumples up the nope, shoves it in his mouth, starts to chew on it and then spits it out on Tony. And gets yeah, him that leaves. was great. I loved that. <laughs> I loved it. Uh, yeah. I, I'm a big fan of Miro. I do agree. There was a little bit of rambling in the segment, but it, it was fine. It didn't bother me too bad. I was, I was too much in love after the first, <laughs> the first part of it. I just, it just did bother me, I guess, but. Uh, so yeah, the match is official now. Kip Sabian and Miro against Orange Cassidy and Chuck Taylor. Did they actually make a stipulation that Charles is going to go back with Miro if they lose? I haven't seen any stipulations. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think they'll do that because I think they're going to lose. Well, I thought they were kind of teasing it here or some kind of thing like that. Like maybe Chuck will go back to Miro if they win or something. But 
yeah, I don't think they actually gave that stipulation. So it might not be, but I think it yeah, I think would make it a little be, more interesting. I think that'll be a good show, good pre-show match for sure. Yeah, I think so too. I'll stick that right on there. So I, I like the segment. I thought it was good. Um, we then got Jake Hager versus Brandon Cutler. Uh, obviously f- from last week, Brandon Cutler coming in to try and save the Young Bucks during their beatdown. He got killed by Hager. So I guess Tony Khan thought it was awesome looking. So he booked this match so he can kill Brandon Cutler again. And if you wanted to see Brandon Cutler get killed again, you were satisfied because he got killed again. Well, if you don't know, the the Bucks actually booked this match, according to BT. Nepotism. What a terrible like... friend they are. <laughs> <laughs> Just yeah. let, let this guy to slaughter. So, uh, yeah, um, pretty much a squash match. Not not much going on here. Uh, Jake Hager picked up the win. It was here for the aftermatch segment, as a few matches were tonight. And I listen, I really like the aftermath, the uh, aftermatch segment. So, yeah, it, the match wasn't anything, but the aftermath was uh, the most important part, like you said. So, Hager wins, uh, and basically the rest of the inner circle guys come out. They start beating up, ganging up on poor Brandon Cutler. Uh, it was a uh, proud and powerful. Uh, Wardlow joined them as well, mm-hmm. uh, but absent were MJF and Chris Jericho. So. Young Bucks run out, make the save, run off the rest of the inner circle. Uh, Matt grabs uh, the mic, uh, actually swears, which I was like, oh, that is not Christian AF. And his, uh, his good Christian parents would not appreciate that. Yeah, but uh, they uh, they were preoccupied, I guess. Uh, so they, they basically said, Jericho, MJF, we don't have to wait till revolution. We can have this fight right now. So they, they invite MJF and Jericho out. Judas comes over the the uh, the loudspeakers. Chris Jericho's you know music starts playing. The young bucks are getting hyped up. They're ready to fight. When it's it's all a ruse, we see MJF and Jericho actually got fooled because they their their joint tag team version of the uh, entrance video is playing, and it just shows like a random non like video edited thing of them like at a podium and stuff. Yeah. And I was like, oh, they're at a podium. And then it flipped and I was like, oh wait, no, they're not. Cause I knew I had heard about the segment before I actually watched it. And uh, I was like, oh, okay. So when's this thing going to happen? But eventually got to it. It was all a ruse. They're in the back and they basically tell the young bucks, we're not coming out there, but we got a little surprise for you. They show daddy buck who has blood been bloodied and butchered. He looked like he was half, half dead. And uh, they basically said, you know, they were in front of the truck that they'd taken the pictures of earlier that he said he was proud of them. So Jericho and MJF pick him up, throw him against the uh, picture of Nick Jackson. Blood gets smeared all over it. And they pick him up again and throw him up against it again on the other side on Matt's portrait. Blood gets smeared all over it. Uh, and then they took tail and ran as the Young Bucks ran to save their dad. I thought the segment was great. Yeah, this was I really liked this segment. It was uh, one of those, like, it was very WWE segment, but, like, in a, it was, like, a very classic pro wrestling like, segment. Yeah, one that, like... Everything they do is bad. Yeah, it was, like, a one of those good WWE segments that, like, moves the story forward and doesn't have to end in a confrontation between the two tag teams. Um, yeah, it was a really good, good uh, visual, I'll say. Like, having his blood spread all, across his uh, his kids. And it really heated up this this feud for me. Because I had no interest in seeing this match, but after this, I'm like, you know what? Kick their head off, you know? Yeah, it was good heat. To that. And uh, Jericho and MJF tuck tail and run. Uh, not even to the point where they just run away. They run and jump in a vehicle, and they're taunting the Young Bucks. Like, 
Jer- like MJF is like through the the sunroof. Jericho's hanging out the door. They're like still talking smack. And Matt Jackson basically runs after him. They're like, all right, go, go, go. And they drive off. So where he can't catch him, he almost catches the vehicle, but doesn't quite get it. And so they have to go back. We actually go to commercial break and then come back. And they're loading Papa Buck into the uh, ambulance. The good brothers are actually there. They, uh, it was kind of funny. I, I'm pretty sure Carl Anderson was sitting there and still kind of playing heel. Cause he's like, he'll be all right. He'll be all right. <laughs> and it's like, well, he's almost dead. So, but they hopped in the ambulance with him, drove off. And uh, Matt went to go tend to his mother who was obviously distraught. Um, but yeah, great segment. Like you said, it, it turned into a great visual because there was the young bucks portraits that had the blood, their father's blood smeared all over them. But then uh, they also posted it all over the social media it was all over the the Young Bucks Twitter and like uh, Matt Jackson posted it and said, uh, all right, MJF and Jericho, you're going to die now, basically, or something like yeah. you're dead or something like like you said, it, it brought real heat to this. And I really liked it. A plus for sure. You could definitely tell where Nick gets his personality from, though, because seeing like Papa Buck there, like lifeless with his mouth agape, looked 100 <laughs> percent exactly like Nick Jackson doing the merch freak. Yeah. I mean, it was it was so funny uh, to see him. Like you could definitely tell the apple does not fall far from the tree with the acting chops there. <laughs> yeah, it was a. Uh, but hey, I really enjoyed the segment. Like you said, it was great. Brought heat to this feud. So two thumbs up for me. I thought it was awesome. Yeah, I liked it. So, uh, like I said, they were taking Papa Buck to the ambulance to end the segment, and then we got a video hyping up Cody Rhodes and Red Velvet versus Shaq and Jay Cargill. I actually was kind of thinking they might since Cody uh, and I'd heard other people say this too, since Cody had, you know, injured his rotator cuff that maybe big show might step in. And uh, they, cause obviously, like you said, they've been teasing Paul white and uh, the shack for a long time. It's probably going to happen in AEW uh, yeah. at some point. They both parties were interested, but it was really a money thing and WWE can never come to agreement with them. And they just, according to Shaq just fell off the planet and stopped talking to him. That, that's definitely never happened before. Yeah, I mean, he was 100% convinced they were going to wrestle. And then, I mean, they're building to it. And then for whatever reason, they just stopped talking. So um, I would assume they're going to try to do it here in AEW. Um, so I, I thought they, like I said, might even do it here. But Pierce Cody is still going to wrestle in this match. Yeah, so, he seems um, like the kind of guy that's going to try to fight, even if he's in pain or whatever, he's going to try to fight through. He's got that old school mentality for sure. And hey, let's put it this way. Uh you said Cody plays heel a lot. It could be an excuse for when he uh, probably loses to Shaq. So, yeah. Not only that, um, like I don't think even with a good rotator cuff, he's picking up Shaquille O'Neal. So, <laughs> so but it was, there will uh, be there will be a lot of Jade Cargill red velvet in this match. I actually I like the video package they showed though. They they showed Jade training and you know Shaq cheering her on. Um, they they had you know Cody and Red Velvet their their promos. They, they had uh, interviews from all the announcers talking about how obviously Cody and Red Velvet had the wrestling experience, but Jade and Shaq have the athleticism and the size over these two. So JR went as far as to pick Shaq and Jade to win just because of their size, which it's not a bad pick. So I, mean, um, I think Jade could take Cody and Red Velvet, if I'm being honest. Yeah, probably. Just looking at her. She's a <laughs> scary, scary individual. Yeah, so... Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting. So I, I like this video package. Thought it was good. Um, and uh, then this brings us to Matt Hart. Or no, it was uh, Isaiah Cassidy 
going to Vince Hangman Page. But before we get into this match, we're going to take a quick break, pay some bills. I'm horrible about going to these commercial breaks, but I made it a point this week to uh, actually do it. So Matt doesn't have to find room in the show to cut in the commercial breaks. So uh, we will be right back after the break and talk about the rest of the show. Be right back. Restaurant quality ad break. <laughs> See you guys in a minute. This is the wave maker, Kyle Boone. And this is Shiloh. And you're, and you're listening, listening to, to Wrestle Life Radio because you're smart and cool. And welcome back, everybody. Man, I, I'm full. I'm full off that restaurant quality ad break. <laughs> it, it's weird, too, because uh, the 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 way that we record these podcasts, uh, we use a like a, a browser program or something, uh, this website, and they, they've just updated everything. And they have like a countdown now, which just throws me off because usually you just... I hit record and we go straight into it, but like I hit record and kind of wait for the pause to start talking, but then I get a countdown. So I have to wait and then I have to wait for the timer to start going. So I will have to just be quiet for like five to 10 seconds. Mm. Throws me off. But uh, yeah, we're going to get back into the show uh, after that break. We have Hangman Page versus Isaiah Cassidy. Probably, would you say this is the match of the night? No, it was a really, really good match. And it's Isaiah Cassidy's match of his AEW tenure, in my opinion. Yeah, it's really but, good. Uh, I, I still think the main event probably tops it. Yeah, both were good. Um, yeah, this definitely had, I think this match may have been longer than the main event. This match had some serious time. It, it was definitely a long match, uh, basically because the story of the match was, so Matt Hardy was out at ringside, obviously. Uh, it was just Isaiah Cassidy, um as part of a private party that was out there. And then we also had um, TH2 was at ringside. So they've joined uh, the Hardy party, I guess. So Mm -hmm. um, they're out there uh, as well. Hangman by himself. Uh, Hangman had pretty much controlled everything. The first part of this match. Uh, I mean, Cassidy had got some stuff in, but it's looking like it was going to be a straight hangman match. uh, Like some of the other matches we had seen on the show, almost like a long squash match until a uh, hangman got sent to the outside and he was actually on the apron and was going to set up for the buckshot lariat, but TH2 got up on the apron, distracted the referee, which allowed Matt Hardy to uh, hold hangman from doing the buckshot lariat. And then Isaiah went injured hangman's arm or, you know, attacked his arm, screwed him up. And then Matt Hardy drove him into the post as well. So basically about halfway through the match, almost, Hangman gets his arm injured and completely changed the complexity of the match, which I actually really liked because it looked like Hangman was just going to cruise to victory and they kind of flipped it. Um, the only thing I didn't like was that the ref had a back turn. It was Aubrey, obviously, who was the referee. And uh, Hardy, like, d- did a great job of, like, injuring Hangman and, had you know, throwing him back in and have it looking like he had nothing to do with it. Uh, so Aubrey would have, you know, never known until... The Dark Order runs out, and they're like, hey, 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 Riff, Matt Hardy hit Hangman. And Aubrey's like, he did? And Matt was like, no, I didn't. And she was just like, get out of here. Well, she, like, pointed at Hangman's injured body that obviously wasn't injured before, and then, like, pointed at Matt Hardy. But, I mean, Isaiah went and was like, no, I did that. I I knocked him down. Like, I don't know. Yeah. It was a little bit, like... I mean, the come rules on. are very fluid in AEW, as in there are none. Well, it wasn't only that. Like, I would also understand if she was like, all right, everybody out. Send, you know, Dark Order. She just sent Matt Hardy. 
So Matt Hardy looked at THU and said, you do your thing. I'm going to go on the back. And then Dark Order joined ringside. I was like, okay, so minus one person that could possibly interfere and add two. Just, yeah. yeah. They're good boys now, though. They're not, they're not about that interference life. <sighs> I, I, the, the, the sport person in me was just like, this is, this is bull. <laughs> yeah, but you know what was great? We got the Dark Order and Hangman being a unit, being friends. We saw Hangman smile at one point, and nothing in wrestling brings me joy more than seeing Hangman Adam Page happy. I mean, it's... He, it's, he, does, he does flash a good smile. It's the... It's, he is a handsome boy, as the, the Dark the Order the story of wrestling history, in my opinion, the story of Adam Page. I, I love everything about it. And I love the fact that, you know, it was such a, such a big deal for Hangman that the Young Bucks would not second him uh, at the original All Out against Chris Jericho. And you know what now? When he needed him most, he's got two good good boys there with him, uh, keeping him keeping him up. They're, they're cheering him on, making him crack a smile in the middle of a match. I loved it. Love all that. Give me some more of that. <laughs> and uh, like I said, after uh, Hangman got his arm injured, Isaiah really took over the match. Had some really, you know, close opportunities to put Hangman away uh, and basically just working over his arm the whole time. They even had like a picture in picture break where he was like, took him to the outside and was stretching his arm over the guardrail, just, you know, taking it to Hangman. But uh, Hangman was able to come back at the end and pick up the win, but still an impressive, but it wasn't even, you know, a buckshot lariat. Uh, he was selling his arm the whole time. Uh, Cassidy basically had gone for a destroyer, uh, like a springboard destroyer, but. Page caught him, hit him with a dead eye, and picked up the win. Um, yeah, I was really glad to see him win, not with his finisher. Like, that's a finisher he he's used before, but right. I, I really like when people just win matches without their finisher. Yeah, so, yeah, a really good match. Um, arguably the match of the night. Um, I mean, you can make an argument for this or the main event, I think. Both really good. So, uh, yeah, if, if you want to go back and watch anything on the show – Either this or the main event is highly recommended. It was a good match. Good for both of them. Like you said, one of the best matches Isaiah's had, especially as a singles um, wrestler. Uh, that was good. Yeah, I agree. So after the match, uh, Hardy, who was, you know, who was sent to the back, comes over the PA system. It was a dark order. Uh, John Silver and Alex Reynolds, who were celebrating with Hangman Page, they took their shirts off and like twirled them in the air. And Matt Hardy comes over the speaker and uh, basically said that, you know, you know, Hangman made the wrong choice. He's going to hurt the entire Dark Order. And he emerges from the ramp with Alan, uh, five angels in tow. Uh, he's like beating him up already. He runs out, tosses him off the stage onto a table and runs back through the, uh, the hill entrance. Or was it the hill entrance? I forget which one's. Uh, I don't remember to be yeah. honest with you, but he, he basically tucked tail and run as the dark order and hangman chase him, but they can't catch him. And, uh, which is a little bit unbelievable, but they, uh, they go and tend to uh five who'd been thrown to the table. I'll be interested to see if this plays into BTE this week. Cause they always pick on five and he got uh, picked on here by Matt Hardy. Yeah. But they, everybody came and, uh, well, last week on BTE, they actually told Five that they were proud of him. And, like, I think the whole thing is, like, Five has always felt kind of like the hangman of the elite. Yeah. And so he's been really 
instead of pushing the rest of the Dark Order away, he's been kind of rolling with it and also like trying his best to impress them and and all that. And I feel like now he's actually has done enough, and you see uh, the Dark Order coming out to rescue him. You saw Hangman there checking on him. I think there's a real redemption arc with uh, with Alan Angels there, and I think that'll be really interesting to see on BTE this week. Yeah. So, yeah, the segment as a whole, I, I mean, the match was great, and then the segment in was pretty good. Um, so, yeah, it, it, did they actually did they announce the the uh, the match here? That was uh, obviously it's Matt Hardy and Hangman, but then they uh, they had the uh, tag team match. I don't remember if they actually announced it here or not. Uh, the tag team ladder match or whatever it is. Oh, the, tag the ladder team, uh, battle royale. Battle royale. That's it. Yeah, I think they did announce that after this. Yeah, because uh, Dark Order has two teams in it. It's uh, obviously Uno and Grayson, and also Johnny Hungy and uh, Alex Reynolds. Yeah. I like how his name's not even John Silver anymore. It's Johnny Hungy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did call him Silver early, but I had, I had to get a Johnny Hungy. I'm going to be like, every time anybody on commentating talks about it, JR is ever like, Johnny Hungy. Like, he's not John Silver anymore. He's Johnny Hungy. It is, great. it is fun to say. <laughs> it's hilarious. I love it. Uh, I, I feel like I feel like the segment worked, but uh, the segment that came after, not so much. Um, it was Alex Marvez, like we said, who has a teleport device to get to any <laughs> important thing outside of uh, Daly's is it Daly's Plaza or Daly's Place? Daly's Place. Place. That's right. Uh, <laughs> he teleports to uh, Kenny Omega and Don Callis, who are somewhere in some building. They got these dudes on saws, like doing like you know machine work or something building kenny's there beating something with a hammer and alex marvez is like hey what's going on don Callis is like yeah how'd you get in here this is a uh a private uh building place or something and basically kenny says uh they are creating a moxley extermination chamber to uh yeah i was like the elimination <laughs> chamber what yeah it was very weird uh Omega at one point was like he was talking about like all the violence that was going to go on. How you have to kill Omega or kill uh, Moxley to beat him or something like that. Uh, he was at one point was trying to talk and then they just resumed like saw <laughs> yeah, blade, just, like great. construction work. Can't hear, work. Anything. Can't can't hear, hear anything. a word he's saying. Like it just didn't this work. TV guys, this is TV. Yeah, yeah it like, was an interesting visual, but it it didn't really land with me either. Yeah, so Omega's building something, I guess. Oh, I forgot to mention. So Moxley was talking about the because we asked you know questions like last week about like what this would actually be, uh, but they kind of Excalibur clarified after Moxley got his promo, there will be barbed wire taped around or not taped, but wrapped around the actual ropes as you suggested it last week. Yeah, I think that's the better way to go. It is the better way to go. I agree. So that's good to know. But then, like he said that, and I was like, okay, great. That you know, it makes sense. But then he follows up with, and there will be landmines on the outside of the ring. I was like, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how they're going to do that. Come again, Excalibur, landmines? Yeah, I'm not <laughs> sure on. about that. So, I thought the whole thing about exploding death matches is when you get thrown into the ropes, it like triggered an explosion outside the ring. Well, now if you get thrown on the outside of the ring, you're going to be t- destroyed into pieces, apparently, with landmines. Yeah, land I swear, mines. if I see somebody's limb fly off, I'm done. I mean, I've already seen an eyeball come out of somebody's head last year. I don't need to see somebody blown up in a million pieces. Yeah, so Oscar's teeth get knocked out this week. Gross. That's true. <laughs> thanks, so, uh, uh, 
thanks to the team of Nia Jackson, Shayna Baszler. Yeah, we won't get into that, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so that's interesting. So, um, so not only we're we gonna have barbed wire around the ropes, we're gonna have landmines, and apparently now a Moxley extermination chamber. So I'm I'm guessing that Moxley's farewell to the fans here is foreshadowing of him actually being exterminated. Maybe that's how they're going to ride him off the show so he can go spend time with Renee. I don't know, man. The timing is weird because, like, if he does that, he's going to be gone like eight months. Oh, well, he'll be gone forever. He's getting exterminated. He said earlier at the show he was willing to die. Yeah, he basically uh, said goodbye to the fans if he doesn't win. Like, they're right. They're setting him up to be killed on this pay per view. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. It's all signs are pointing to it, so we will see for sure. It's interesting, but. I mean, he may just legitimately take some time off to do New Japan uh, stuff. He's got Bloodsport coming up. I know he's got the New Japan World or New Japan, New Japan Strong coming up. I don't know. Yeah. I'm yeah. curious how this is all going to turn out. We've already got Sammy not on the show anymore and not going to work for Impact. So, Yeah, we'll see Sammy back probably at Revolution, I had, if I had to guess. I would imagine so. So... um after this match, we got a recap of the AEW Women's Eliminator Tournament. Uh, also, we, we forgot to mention, but uh, obviously, you know, it's a good time to mention it. Uh, Anna Jay, unfortunately, it got announced that, like, right before Dynamite this week, basically, it was announced that she has injured her shoulder uh, in training. Uh, they, they had a quick video of, like, the doctor examining her and, you know, kind of giving the diagnosis that she had a dislocated shoulder and that it would take six to 12 months to recover, which is sad because her and Tay Conti, especially like on dark and, you know, could have really, you know, had a bright spot in this tournament. I guess Tay didn't really have, have one. She got beat by Nyla, but um, yeah, it's just really sad because Anna Jay was going to have this, you know, this match against Brit ended up having the replacement was Thunder Rosa's protege who in turn got killed. So, I mean, which you would expect. So Britt basically got a buy into the next round. You know, just sad because I was looking forward to seeing, you know, Anna Jay and Britt Baker. I thought it would have been a really good match. Um, good yeah. time for them to kind of shine. So it's sad to see. I agree. I was really looking forward to it. And it's a shame that this is like the second or third time in her very short career she's been out with a short, uh, shoulder injury. And it's like really like, I feel like almost her time to shine I feel like after Revolution, we probably would have got her involved in some of the, the the main event picture in the women's division. But yeah, out for quite a while. Uh, hopefully, we get her back sooner rather than later. Like she doesn't have to get back in the ring, but I would love her see to see her take on. We've seen like on BT a little bit like a matriarch of the Dark Order kind of role, mm -hmm. uh, kind of protecting protecting the boys. I think that would be a good spot for her. But yeah, I don't know. I would it, almost. It really I would almost recommend, and this is like would suck. I mean, if it were me, I wouldn't want to do it. But if somebody on the outside and somebody who knows several people who had shoulder problems, and, and like I said when we were talking about it, shoulders and knees are like the two worst. Like once you hurt them, I mean, Randy Orton has been plagued throughout his career with shoulder issues because he injured his shoulder. Like it's it's one of those things that once you hurt them, they're so much easier to hurt again. And I mean, like she's already ha had this happen twice and you see it with someone like Tegan Knox on NXT who suffered a lot of knee injuries and she's constantly having to deal with them. So if I were Anna Jay, 
Well, actually, would I recommend Anna J? Because I probably wouldn't do it if I was her. But I would almost just take the year off. Like they said, six to twelve months. But I would almost take even like take them as much time as you need. I would take a full year off and make sure I'm fully recovered. I have some time to heal. Like give it as much time as you need because it's one of those things. Like you don't want to rush back definitely and re-injure it and have to be out even longer. And I really think if whenever she comes back, she's going to be a huge baby face. She's got a chance to have a big, you know, uh, a big run, you know, when she, ever she comes back, I think she'll be super over. So I would just take as much time as I need. Uh, I think the women's division will be fine while she's gone, but she's, she can come back a huge, you know, huge baby face and she takes off as much time as she needs. I think she, it'll be for the better just to make sure her shoulder is as healthy as it possibly can be. Yeah. Yeah, I think she could – I mean, I would love to see her come back during a Brit title reign, uh, maybe as, as the baby face. Which might her. take a year at this point. Yeah, who knows when that's going to happen. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll get into right now because we had Nyla Rose versus Britt Baker. Um, I will say these women worked really hard together. It wasn't the greatest match. It was just kind of there, basically. I don't think it was a bad match, though. I think it was perfectly no, fine. It, like they worked really hard, so it wasn't a bad match. Sloppy at points, but not really bad. It just didn't. I mean, we had Britt, who was not a face. We had Nyla, who was. Uh, she had some cheers from people, but then also had some boos. Like it was just confusing. Like it was just a also basically a heel versus heel match. Yeah. Um. I mean, I think Nyla tried to play the babyface a little bit, but to me, she didn't come off as a babyface. Um. Britt obviously wasn't a baby face, but kind of played the baby face because she was the one that was having to try to come back the whole time. It was being dominated. So it was just kind of, they worked really hard. It wasn't a bad match, but just didn't click for me. Uh, Reba obviously got involved. Um, uh, Nyla, what did Britt, she was going after her arm or something at one point. She tried to get the, uh, the lockjaw on, but Nyla powered out. Um, Struggled to get her up for the beast bomb, but hit it. Uh, and then Britt actually kicked out of it because Nyla wasn't quick to the cover. When that happened, I thought, okay, great. Fantastic. Britt's going to win this. Um, but she got up. Britt, uh, she basically was going to set up for uh, like a tombstone or something. Britt got out of it, went for a super kick. Nyla ducked under it, caught her leg, picked her up, and hit her with the beast bomb. was actually you know, a pretty good uh, way to finish it. Yeah, it was a but cool finish, I thought. She picked up the win, and I was like, I really think Britt should have won this. Like, yeah, I just don't, I, I have no excitement for, I'm assuming Thunder Rose is going to get to the finals. Um, I don't know, man. Like this threw my entire bracket off because I thought for sure break Baker was taking the title of revolution. I think she should have taken the title of revolution. I don't know why she's not. Um, on one hand, like I think Thunder Rosa versus Nyla Rose would be a better match. Obviously it's one we've never seen before, but on the other hand, like if it's not Britt, it's got to be Riho, right? We've got to be getting Riho versus Hikaru Shida at Revolution. Yeah. We, we've already had Thunder Rosa versus Hikaru Shida, right? Mm-hmm. We did. Yeah. I mean, it's got to be Riho. I, there's no way they're doing Nyla Rose versus Hikaru Shida again. That would be a terrible decision. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know. Like, I really – this really took me by surprise. I think it's a wrong decision. Yeah. But – 
I mean, a lot of people have said maybe Britt doesn't want the belt. I know she's got a lot of stuff going on. She is an actual dentist. So wrestling really isn't her priority from what it seems uh, a lot of times. Like, it seems like her dentistry is her priority and she does wrestling on the side. Maybe that's her whole thing. She doesn't want to carry the belt and carry that responsibility. But, I mean, like, it doesn't really add that much. I mean, she does not even on the show most of the weeks. Well, this so, is going to say, like, especially at this point, like, she's not having to go do media and stuff. So, yeah, I don't know. Just being the face of the division, I don't see her having to put in a whole lot more work, you know, just outside of what she would, what she's normally doing. So, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. Um, or, yeah, I, I don't know. But I think she should have, and just imagine how big her head would be as a heel if she picked up a win over not only former women's champion, but the native beast, Nyla Rose who everybody was assuming Britt was going to win. Like, I don't know if it was just for like a shock or what, but like, I'm right there with you. Like, I just think it was the wrong move. Uh, I think Britt should have won here. Um, she kicked out of the first beast bomb and looked like she was going to kind of head to victory. I mean, like I said, it was a swerve, but you know, just because it's a swerve doesn't always make it the best move. And um, Nyla picks up the win. So she's going to the finals, right? Of the American side. Uh, yeah, it'll be her versus either Thunder Rosa or Riho, which right. will be on the show this Sunday, the Bleacher Report special, which is dumb. It should have been on this episode. This episode could have used a a good, uh, strong match, I feel like. Like, they had some really good good matches in this, uh, this show, but a lot of them were really predictable. I thought this one would be. I guess it wasn't. Um... Yeah, I think they should add it this week. I Like I was telling Kyle and Matthew, I think they're still mishandling the women's division. That's another way of it. They've got a six-woman tag between the faces of the Japanese bracket and the heels of the Japanese bracket and Thunder Rosa versus Riho. But yeah, I think Thunder Rosa versus Riho is a match we should definitely be getting on TV, uh, if not pay-per-view. So, yeah. I don't know. I don't know what they're doing with it. I'm kind of checked out at this point because I thought Britt Baker was going to win it. I think Riho versus Shida will be a very good match. <clears throat> I think Rosa versus Nyla would be a very good match. Uh, I think Riho versus Yuka Sakazaki would be a very good match. I think Yuka versus Shida would be a very good match, but uh, I, I don't know. Like Britt, Britt is my women's champion at this point. So I, I, I almost wonder if like Anna Jay was supposed to upset Britt in the first round and be the one that kind of went up against Nyla or something like shoot. They could have had Anna Jake going for the title. Who knows? Yeah. Or at least get to like the, you know, the, the match against like Thunder Rosa, like the semifinal. Um, yeah. So I, I'm not sure what the plan was, but if you're going to put up Nyla and Britt, like, especially with, you know, the run that Britt has been on the few with Thunder Rosa, like I just don't see why she didn't win here, but uh, it, it's definitely, you know, a surprise. So, um, and, and it doesn't necessarily mean Nyla's going to get to the finals. Uh, like you said, it, it, I, that would be pretty disappointing to have her and Sheeta again. So I think, like you said, it's either going to be like a Thunder Rosa or Riho that make it there. But, uh, and if, if that's the case, it, it wouldn't be the end of the world, you know, just with Nyla beating Britt. But I was almost thinking, you know, Britt could have got there against Thunder Rosa. And there's like question that, you know, was her victory legitimate because she threw into that turnbuckle? Like maybe she has to beat her clean to get to the final. Like, and we could be getting Brit versus uh, if Riho goes through, we could be getting Brit versus Thunder Rosen like a no DQ at Revolution or something. It's true. Uh, I still think they've got room for another match or two. So, yeah, we could be getting that. And speaking of which, I'll, I'll go over. I've got the Revolution card here as it is. Uh, like I said earlier, we have a Casino Tag Team Battle Royal. 
featuring several tag teams. And they said that the winner of this will get a shot at the titles at some point. I don't think they said like when. I'm assuming on Dynamite. Yeah, probably. Uh, we also, as as I said, Cheetah versus the winner of the women's tournament. Hangman versus Matt Hardy for uh, the first quarter earnings of the other one. Team Taz versus Sting and Darby. Uh, Miro and Kip Sabian versus Orange Cassidy and Chuck Taylor. Young Bucks uh, versus MJF and Jericho. And of course, Kenny Omega versus John Moxley. We also have the, was it the Face of Revolution ladder match? Uh, which has how many participants? Leading six. Before, It'll have six. six total, but there were three named prior yeah. to the main event. It was yeah. Cody, uh, El Pentazero, and um, Scorpio Sky. And then obviously we have Lance Archer versus Ray Phoenix in the main event for the uh, next qualifier, basically. And next week we're having Tim versus Max Caster, which is super weird. Yeah, yeah it is. But but I'll be glad to have Tim in the latter match. <laughs> would be good. Well, hey, we might get Max Caster. Who knows? Who knows if they try to swerve us like the, the Britt Baker and Nella Rose match. Yeah, and they also did, they gave a rundown. What do they call it? Uh, the crossroads or something of dynamite next week uh yeah they are calling it the crossroads it, i didn't even put that together yeah it's it's basically a special show before revolution but obviously we have the cody roach shack match with red velvet jade Gar- cargill ftr and tully versus jurassic express which i was kind of hoping that would be on the revolution but whatever uh the women's eliminator final paul white's going to be on the show to speak uh, Dark Order versus Matt Hardy, Private Party, and Hybrid 2. And as Mike said, 10 versus Max Caster for the other, another spot in the Revolution ladder match. I'm guessing they're going to fill the last spot on Dark or something. Yeah, maybe so. So I don't know why they shouldn't put Phoenix and Archer in it, but hey, we got this main event. So yeah, I can't uh, complain about that at all. Yeah, this main event was awesome. My main complaint, I'll get it out of the way first because I did like it a lot. Like I don't know if I mentioned on the show. I know I mentioned to Micah earlier. Uh, they had piped in crowd cheering this week because they this was a tape show and the fans weren't actually there, which is you know not great a lot of the times. Uh, and I really didn't like it in this match because I love Lance Archer and he's kind of been a tweener. Uh, I mean, I guess you could say he played the heel in this match, but he definitely got some booze on the fake crowd noise. And I was like, hey man, this guy's been awesome the last couple weeks and has really been like a babyface almost more than a you know tweener. Uh, I mean, he's, I would consider him a tweener, but, uh, I mean, he's been leaning more towards the babyface side and, uh, he was like, and even in this match, he wasn't like dastardly or anything. He was just like, a he's just the monster. And, um, he just getting booze piped in and I was like, really, I wouldn't pipe in booze, but it's whatever. Still an awesome match. Uh, like (laughs) Ray Phoenix started by just like slapping the crap out of him and he was just completely no selling it. Gosh, it was such a hard hit throughout the match, man. Ray Phoenix and Pentagon both just their 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 slaps are ridiculous. Yeah, they're just beating the snot out of each other. Um, oh, I forgot to mention as well. Like, uh, obviously, Murderhawk comes out like normal. He's got Jake the Snake with him. Ray Phoenix comes out and he's got like a samurai mixed with Penta El Zero mask on with like his normal cape. Yeah, so yeah it's awesome. Cool looking, cool looking things going on. He goes in and like posts up on the turnbuckle and like. Archer just goes and stands up right behind him, just staring him down, smiling at him. So, uh, like I said, it had some rough spots in it that were a little bit sloppy, but man, they were just killing the crap out of each other the rest of the time. Like, just, you know, Archer was throwing Phoenix everywhere, just like slamming this dude. 
it was basically like a like a either an AJ Styles or Rey Mysterio Ricochet versus Braun Strowman. Like Ray was like bouncing off everything and like taking it to uh, Lance Archer. Sometimes he would sell it. Sometimes he would just swat him down. Like there was twice he would like threw Phoenix into the ropes. He did like a six one nine spin, came back for a kick, and Lance Archer just like swatted it away and just like slammed him like just a straight monster. So it was very much a David and Goliath match, but in the best kind of way. To the Man, point where some of the stuff they did though was awesome. It was crazy. I loved it. Yeah, it's fantastic. Um, there was one point also like. I said it, Archer did play the heel in this match, sort of, but like I, I, I feel like he was kind of moving away from that. To, it was just kind of like going, taking a step back in his gimmick because this was who he was when he was fighting like Cody, you know, like uh, and stuff like that early on when Jake was like having to assist and stuff like that. Jake's kind of been almost necessary, but he got involved here and I was really not digging it. Uh, Phoenix basically got up on the top rope and was going to jump on Lance Archer on the outside and Jake grabbed his ankle and like threw him out to the other side. Uh, did not get thrown out as uh, Matt Hardy did earlier when he clearly threw this man off the top turnbuckle. The referee just like, I'm pretty sure he saw it and just ignored it. And um, so that gave, you know, Archer time to regain himself and go back to killing the man. He did his, uh, his, his um, old school, like rope walk thing that Taker does into a backflip, which was awesome. Uh, what else? What are some other notes? The, the spots? Spanish fly. Oh yeah, that's right. Uh, that was a spot of the match for me. Yeah. T- tell Golly. me about it. So Archer is putting, is putting Phoenix up on the turnbuckle. Archer is up on the top turnbuckle and Ray Phoenix is on the top rope. Ray Phoenix drops down to the second rope because physics don't apply to him. And both of them are balancing up in the air here. And Phoenix jumps up and hits a Spanish fly on Archer from the top rope, which is incredibly fantastic for Phoenix. But not only that, Archer's athleticism he has to have to be able to do stuff like that is ridiculous. I feel like, I feel like Lance Archer is basically the undertaker. If the undertaker uh, learned how to wrestle in the Indies. I think he like watching this match. This is what I wish Braun Strowman was. Like, Strowman is, like, so huge. He, he just never, throws everybody he around. He never do the, anything like that, though. He's too big. Well, this is why I love Lance Archer, because this because mm-hmm. he's not Braun Strowman. He's yeah. Lance Archer. He, <laughs> he's what he's what Strowman should be. You know, that's yeah. why I like most wrestlers, is because they're not Braun Strowman. <laughs> it's, it's true. <laughs> I'm going to start uh, using it. You know why I like you know why I like Ray Phoenix? Because he's not Braun Strowman. <laughs> it's true. He's definitely not. But he's just, like, he's the powerhouse that Strowman is, but he can move bigger than a big man can or you know like faster than a big man should be able to like like i said he's doing the old school rope walk like taker but does a moonsault off of it and it's not a graceful moonsault and it doesn't have to be he just like flips upside down and just like crushes his opponent is how i would describe it. it's not even really a backflip like and lance archer is not a young guy either i think he's 44 yeah. 40 40 41 maybe uh he he wasn't like a young signing or anything but the fact he's able to do all this stuff is crazy and i'll tell you what Lance Hoyt was not doing this stuff back in the day. Yeah. Like no, for Lance, sure. Lance Hoyt was basically test 2.0. Like when he early in his career, like it's very much like the way I would describe it. It's a lot like the story of Drew McIntyre of like, he went to WWE. He had the look, he looked like a, you know, sharp kid or whatever. 
but he was so bland and so boring. And, you know, he got fired from WWE and it was like, it just lit a fire under him. He went to the Indies, started, you know, he changed his style up, changed his look up, just got yoked and just like came back. And now he's a world champion and he looks the part and he's got yeah. good promos. And like Lance Hoyt was on TNA. Everybody said he was like a test 2.0, just like didn't do it for anybody, you know, left TNA. Nobody cared about him. He went to New Japan, just like completely reinvented himself over several years. And now he's back on the scene as the murder hawk monster. And I love the dude. Yeah. I I really like both of the guys in this main event. I don't see how they could have a bad match together, especially. Yeah. And uh, like I said, they were, as you said, they did the Spanish fly, which was awesome. But then they had a, a spot where Phoenix, you know, tried to, you know, capitalize on what he did to Archer, but Archer hit him with a pounce. Uh, not the best looking pounce. Uh, I no, think it, it was wasn't just, a Keith Lee level pounce, but. I think what happened was, uh, Phoenix was probably expecting Archer to kill him, but Archer didn't want to kill him because they were like close to the ropes. Mm -hmm. So like Archer kind of let up and stopped running and, uh, Phoenix just like jumped up in the air and spread his arms and legs out to like accept his death. But, <laughs> but because of that, like miscommunication, he just kind of flew up in the air and fell down. Like it, there's, there were a couple spots like that in the match where they just weren't on the same page, but um, it was by no, that, that's why I like kind of was like iffy on was this the best match? Was Hangman and Cassidy the best match? But it, they were both really fun. So it's hard to, you know, argue I feel like if like, this were a live show, this 100% would have been the best match in your, in your opinion. I feel like the, the piping crowd noise really did affect it. Yeah. And like I said, the, the missed, they missed a couple spots that, you know, could have made it like a lot better. But it, like I said, by no means a bad match at all. Like it, it had its hiccups and speed bumps, but. It still had like awesome stuff like the Spanish fly and uh, and also the finish, which came by uh, Archer chokeslamming Phoenix for a near fall. Um, Phoenix we looked were, really strong in defeat here. Yeah, he did. Like he took the punishment and basically it just came down to um, Lance Archer picking him up for the blackout. I mean, held this guy up and I mean, the most graceful blackout you've ever seen. <laughs> like he it looked like a ballet move. It was basically a swanton bomb, like Phoenix swanton bombed himself into <laughs> death. And uh, yeah, Lance Archer hit the blackout and picked up the win. And even to the point where after, and I did like this, it kind of redeemed himself. If any viewers thought that this guy was actually a bad guy, he went and picked up the dead Phoenix who was like huffing for, you know, his last <laughs> breath. And he picks him up by the mask. You're like, is he going to punch him? He throws his fist out. But he goes and fist pumps Phoenix, and Phoenix is like, "Yeah, you killed me, dude." And then he <laughs> lets go, and he just like falls. <laughs> he falls back down to his death, and uh, yeah, oh, I loved it. it. It was good. Um, so good way to end the show. Good match. Uh, really fun, like I said. Uh, and yeah, I love. I like the show as a whole. It wasn't like there there were some matches on it that like weren't the best, but it had some stuff on there that was really fun. Uh, had the Young Buck segment that was like a home run, I think had this main event that was a home run. Cassidy Hangman was really good. Um, just had a lot of good stuff on it. And then they had some stuff not so good. Uh, Nyla Britt Baker wasn't bad, but wasn't the greatest. Um, the Kenny Omega segment wasn't that great. Um, they, like I said, has some squash matches that you kind of saw coming. Sting and Darby was really good. And and uh, the Varsity Blondes match was really good um, with uh, Team Taz. So if I had to give this show a grade, I think I'd still give it like an A-. minus. It wasn't the best show in the world, but I thought it was good. 
Yeah, I think I agree. Like, this is another one of those cards that just didn't seem like anything was there, right? But they always end up over-delivering uh, on these cards that don't seem like much on these taped shows. Yeah. Uh, man, the Sting Darby segment is one of my favorite segments in wrestling in a long time. I really loved that. Uh, I loved all of it. I loved the vignette. I love Darby coming out from the rafters. I love seeing Sting be Sting. Um, I thought the main event was great. Uh, I thought I thought most of the matches. I don't think any match was really bad. I mean, the the opening match was obviously a squash match, but yeah, I think this was a really solid show. I think it's a a good A minus as well. Yeah. yeah, I think we're in, in agreement on that. And um, looking forward to next week. Crossroads, as I said. Um, are you? You said you're going to there, there next week. Are you going to try to go? Uh, I'm not going to be able to go next week, but I'm hoping to go to Revolution. Okay. Yeah. Tickets so, go on I'm sale sh- tomorrow. Hopefully, Matthew will be first in line like he normally is. And uh, be able to get us some tickets. I'm sure he'll be there next week too, because uh, they're doing that live. I think, right? Uh, yeah, I believe so. I'm sure he wouldn't want to miss Shaq in action. Yeah, this is true. <laughs> yep. Yeah, so he'll get to tell us all about that. Um, maybe he'll come on the show and talk about how big Shaq is in person. Yeah, but, it's um, also uh, also worth mentioning. Viewership was really up for for wrestling this week. Um, AEW was up by like a hundred thousand and. NXT didn't even drop. I think they went up by like 12,000. I was going to ask, because uh, I didn't actually see the ratings, so I have no idea what they, what were they actually... Cause it, this would exactly be one of the shows you would think that maybe they would drop because it wasn't like a, you know, top to bottom, like... I mean, it ended up being a good show, but like, it's just, like you said, it's one of those that you wouldn't expect to be very good, but ends up being really good. And those tend to be lower in the ratings. Yeah, so last week, which I thought was would be a very well-rated show... AEW had 747,000 viewers, and NXT had 713,000 viewers. This week, AEW had 831,000 viewers, and NXT had 734,000 viewers. So an extra 100,000 or so people were watching wrestling this week. Um, uh, Three weeks ago was 741 versus 558, so that's an extra two, 300,000 from them. So it's, it's good to see more people watching wrestling on Wednesday night. Uh, AEW's fifth in demo with a 0.35 rating, which is a very good demo. AEW's been trending up in demos quite well lately. Yeah. Uh, yeah, really uh, really good to see both shows doing well because I think NXT is really interesting right now. Actually, with everything going on with Adam Cole, uh, spoiler alert, splitting up with uh, Undisputed Era, it's a big deal. Yep. All that I'm thinking probably going to be leading to a call-up. But who knows? He seems like he wants to be in NXT. Well, Rhea's forever. getting called up. She's got just straight up announced for Raw. Yeah. So that was yeah. random, but yeah, it's gotta do, they got got to do something. They have no women's division, even though they have a very stacked women's division. I understand that. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's really great to see both shows do well. I'm curious to see what next week's show will do. You got the big announcement with Big Show. You've got the Shaq match. Just getting a lot of publicity. I, don't know I would they, imagine it was going to be pretty big rating. I'm thinking at least 900,000, but will they break a million again? It's been a while. Yeah, we'll, we'll have to see. Um, but uh, it's, yeah, they're definitely going to be, I would imagine to see a bunch of ads on this week because it's it's going to be hype for sure. Um, and, you know, I, I said the other day, we were, we were talking about, uh, not really talking about politics, but that's kind of been a catalyst for like, you know, low ratings uh, as of, as of late, when something big happens in the news, like it tends to drop people out of watching wrestling. Yeah. So, uh, one reason writings might be up is because like uh, Biden is president, 
and he's not doing anything. I mean, well, he's doing some stuff, but you know, he's staying out of the news. Like I, I looked over the other night and just was talking to my girlfriend and I was like, you know, I haven't heard a peep out of Biden really, or like anybody's freaking out about him. So yeah, well, just, 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 just I'm actually looking at the chart here. And a few weeks back after the whole Capitol riots and everything, AEW was like 19th in the in the the demo, which is like the lowest they've ever been, right? Yeah. Well, they were topped by all these news uh, shows. Yeah. Well, this week you have number one being NBA, number two being some in, uh, MTV show, number three being NBA, number four being Real Housewives, number five being AEW, and then the next news show is Rachel Maddow at number nine. You have freaking uh, Hannity and Tucker Carlson, which were dominating the ratings, 29 and 30. So uh, you definitely the news has cycled out. Nothing really interesting is happening, which is good. Yeah. Uh, I think that's probably for the best. So, I mean, we're not going to talk, you know, politics on the show, but I, I got to say, if, if we can agree on anything about, you know, the, the present change here, We'll at least be able to get some peace of quiet, I think, for a little while. Because yeah, I don't care anything about politics, but I swear if they mess up AEW's rating and they end up getting canceled, uh, I will vote for whatever the other team is. <laughs> I don't care what the other team is. Yeah, so. not a bad call. So <laughs> you it, screw it with my be, wrestling, it, you lose it, my vote. Hey, it might be a rematch in four years. We don't, we don't, never know. <laughs> oh, but God. Uh, yeah, but we we will sign off after that, guys. We don't, we don't want to get into politics on the show, but uh, yeah, good show this week from AEW, um, and uh, we appreciate you guys listening in every week. Like I said, uh, we you know we're heading on the way to episode two hundred, episode one fifty seven this week, so we're getting closer and closer. Um, but we appreciate you guys for sticking with us this whole time. If you like the show, please share, comment, give us a like on social media if you if you want. Just support us any way you can. We appreciate it. And uh, if you if you have some thoughts, feel free to co- comment on our social media, send us messages. There's multiple ways to do it, either on, you know, platform direct messages, or I think we have a link specifically when we post these shows that you can message us on. We love to hear from you guys. We get some every now and then. And if we start getting a lot of messages, we'll start, you know, answering some fan, fan questions and whatnot. I I had a discussion this week with a fan which was pretty cool, actually, um, who was asking me about, like, my opinion on... Uh, on like AEW and like, uh, which actually might turn into a round table, I think. Um, Cause I, I would like to get your and Matt opinion on Micah about how AEW's kind of, he, he felt like they're kind of letting the inmates run the asylum with their like creative, you know, freedoms that they're getting. And he's wondering if that'll be like a detriment to AEW. So just an interesting conversation I had with a, with yeah. a friend that listens to the show. Okay. So sure. um, yeah. So anything like that, if you guys find interesting or stories that you hear uh, we love to hear about it and talk with you guys about it. So uh, you can find us on social media, on Facebook and Instagram at Russell Life Radio, on Twitter at Russell Life Pod. Matt is on social media as well as Russell Life Matt on Facebook and Instagram. And uh, is he on Twitter as well? I always yeah, he's on Twitter. He's on Twitter. Yeah. So um, at Russell Life Matt on Twitter. Uh, I'm on Instagram at Kyle.Polly and I'm on Facebook as well. And Micah shows up on the Facebook uh, on Russell Life Radio every now and then. So, like I said, like us, comment, message. We love talking to you guys. We appreciate you listening, and we will catch you guys here next week. I'm not sure if we're going to have an indie focus this week. Uh, there was some issues with our, like I said, we had this new uh, update for, for our recording system, and Matt, I know, was having some trouble with one of his guests, which was really unfortunate because he had a really good interview, I think, and I think it kind of got kiboshed because of this new technology. 
hmm. update or whatever. So I'm not sure if we're going to have an episode this week, but those normally occur on Tuesday. Maybe we'll have another show out for you guys. But if not, uh, we'll be back next week at this time. So we appreciate you guys for listening and you guys have a good night. See ya.